0: Hi, this is Cash Levy, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Keep listening.
1: Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Paula Poundstone.
2: And they don't belong in our schools. I I thought it was a great idea to put them in school in the beginning. And then I learned what I learned. Um, We sort of ran the experiment. And and the um, evidence of the experiment is overwhelming. There's very little positive, discernible impact.
1: Always great to talk with Paula. We had a fun conversation about comedy, of course, and, of course, the elephant in the White House. And... Uh, we talked a little bit about screen time. Uh, are kids getting too much screen time? I know she's been a mom for a long time and has a lot of opinions about uh, those sorts of things. Uh, we also have, uh, this is like a big women's episode actually, I guess kind of uh, in the wake of National International Women's Day we had here this past week. We're going to play for the dumb bit a professionally produced piece of comedy. It is from Jackie Cassian's new album "I Am Not the Hero of the Story," and uh, I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. Uh, Song of the week, though, is from Coleman Hell, so I guess it's not completely uh, devoted to women this week. But Coleman, I know, likes women, so and he respects them a lot, and so uh, you will have that. So stay tuned for at the end of the show for the, our track of the week from Coleman Hell. But uh, let's get to that dumb bit. Last summer, I believe it was, a friend of the show, Jackie Cation, was on Conan, and uh, she smashed it. She had this uh, terrific set included a bit about, uh, I don't want to spoil it too much for you, but uh, about Native Americans and how other uh, peoples around the world have had kind of their food and their culture assimilated into ours, but very blandly. It was very hilarious stuff and of course she recorded an album she told us uh, she talked to us just before she recorded that up there at the Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis uh, that was back in December I believe we spoke to her and she said she was going to record the album that bit would be on and I'm thinking well it's not going to get much funnier than that well the album came out about two weeks ago and I was wrong it is so so funny right out of the gate man she comes out and just Conan's one right off well, as, it, as it were uh, she you know, hits one right, right, right out of the park right from the opening with the opening bit and the whole thing is hilarious and then I tried to think geez now how am I going to pick uh, something to play on the podcast? And I decided to play a track that's called Gamification, and I think it really it distills the essence of where Jackie is now, talking about kind of her uh, her personal life, relationship with her husband Andy, and it's it's just really good stuff. It's just so well written. She, she has a nice cadence to her, a very unique style of speaking. I think you're really going to dig it. Uh, the album is called I Am Not the Hero of the Story. It is available you know, everywhere you get comedy albums, uh, Spotify, iTunes. You can get it in Freegal, actually, too, if you're uh, inclined to go that route. So anyway, here is our friend Jackie Kashian. Here's a bit from her album, I Am Not the Hero of the Story. The track is Gamification, so enjoy.
3: Because I did
4: not have a boyfriend. I wasn't good at it. I didn't know how to do it. If I liked a guy, this is how I'd hit on guys. I'd stand next to them for years. It is not great. It is not good. It does not get you dates. And, uh... But then, the worst invention, the best invention, the worst invention, the best invention, the worst invention, the best invention, online dating. And I got a fella. And, uh, he's good at it. He's a game designer. He makes video games for a living, and it's amazing. But I don't know anything about being in a relationship. He's my first relationship. We got married ten years ago. And I, uh, was a hundred when we got married. And so, um, but the, the thing is, is so I still don't, every day I wake up and I'm like, have I broken it? And he's like, no. And, uh, and we go forth with that. Cause I don't, cause all I know about being in a relationship, I know from my cuckoo bird parents, mixed reviews, they're not great. Uh, and male comics, hmm, off and on there too. So, cause guys, I've been hearing jokes for 30 years of doing stand-up about being in a relationship. So that's how I know what not to do or what to do is guys telling jokes about their wives and girlfriends, right? And um, so one of the jokes in the 90s was, women are always asking us what we're thinking about. We're not thinking about anything. Stop asking. I'll tell you if I'm thinking about something. Stop asking. So I never asked uh, my boyfriend who became a husband what he was thinking about. Never did. Never did. Why? Because I was told not to. And then three years into our relationship, which means we had been married for a year and a half, uh, we're in the car and he turns to me and says, what are you thinking about? He asked me. And I said, comedy, what are you thinking about? And he said, games. And it was the last time we had that conversation.
0: Because
4: that is all he is thinking about. And that is all I am thinking about. Sometimes male comics are right. Anyway. (laughs) But he's a game designer, so everything's a game. to him. So like, I don't know, you know when you go to like a holiday event or a work event or a family event that you do not want to go to, and you say to your partner, hey, this is not going to be fun. Will you please come with me? He an adult man who has had short-term relationships and long-term relationships like a person so he knows how to be in a relationship. And he would always say to me, he's always said, hey, this isn't going to be fun, but please come and I will use you as a pick and it will be more bearable. And I have always said, of course, I would love to be of some use uh, to this relationship. Allow me to be part of the solution. But I never asked him to go because I always thought to myself, well, I don't even fucking want to go to this thing. Why would I bring the guy that I like the best to the thing I I don't want to go to. Until about two months ago when I had a small, uh, tiny meltdown and I said to him in this tone of voice, please come with me to the thing I don't want to go to. And he looked at me and he goes, of course, of course, yeah, why didn't you just ask? And I said, I didn't want to be a burden. And uh, he did something that I recommend you do if you're ever in a relationship with me. Um... He laughed in my face. Uh, He didn't laugh at me, he just laughed. And he goes, I'm pretty sure that's what marriage is. We're a burden on each other. And then he said, because he's a game designer, he said, I got a game. Here's the game, maybe. Uh, uh, Every time you think you're being a burden on me, give me a dollar. And every time I think I'm being a burden on you, I'll give you a dollar. And I promise you, we will never need another fucking dollar. We will trade that dollar back and forth for the next 40 years. And I said... Well, you are adorable, but that game sounds boring. And he said, well, it's a prototype and we would have to play test it because everything's a game. Everything's got a game mechanic. Everything's got a game design. He literally, I get text messages from him uh, from different places. A couple of years ago, got a text message from the grocery store. All it said was, the user interface here is broken. I don't know how long I'll be at the grocery store. So I called him up and I said, what's the user interface at the grocery store? And he says, The line. It should be one line, like at the bank, but it has many lines. uh, So I don't know if I've chosen correctly. I don't know how long it's going to be. And I said, well, I'll be hanging up. But my favorite one was last year. He went to his first ever uh, strip joint. I have been hanging out with dirtbags for 30 years and have been to many strip joints. He had never been to a strip joint before because uh, every other bachelor party he had been to had been a board game bachelor party. (laughs) not crummy board games good board games right settlers ticket to ride pandemic get out there treat yourself right treat yourself right here's my current favorite uh, party game it's called bring your own book it's like apples to apples it's quite nice and now that that unsolicited ad is over I will continue now uh so he goes to the strip he's gonna go I get a text message and it says hey I'm in time for the bachelor party we're going to a strip club, I'm gonna go look at boobs. And so I texted him back and I said, well, come home to mine later, have a good time. And an hour after that, I get a text from him and it says, what game is this? So I called him and I said, it's not a game. It's noodley ladies, being noodly. That's the whole game. And he said, oh no, there's a game here. There's a lot of in-game purchasing going on.
0: <laughs> yes, yes
4: there is, yes there is. And then he said, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I said, well, delete the app. Get the fuck out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he knows things, right? A couple of months ago, we were sitting around. And um, so we're sitting around, we're sitting around. And he says, out of the blue in the living room, hey, you know, sometimes when you're in a relationship for a long time, the mystery can be lost from that relationship. And I just want you to know that I was just staring at you from across the room. And I was thinking to myself... What the fuck is she doing? (laughs) So you guys. I still got it. I still got it.
1: Paula Poundstone is a comedian you know well from just about anywhere if you watch comedy over the past uh, 20 or 30 years. Uh, She's also a regular panelist on the hit NPR show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Here now is our interview with Paula Poundstone. So, uh, good to talk to you again. I think we've done this uh, many times before it seems now. Oh, have we? Oh, Oh, yeah, Yeah, in fact, you've you've been on the podcast at least once, and I've interviewed you for City Pages, I'm sure, once, and I think for the paper in Columbus, and then for Cincinnati we did a big feature on you, too, a couple years ago, so.
2: Well, I'm remarkably the
1: same. I I was going to say, in the road, play in the theaters, uh, being on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, but, uh, you know, still having a lot of success. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm
2: hacking away. I'm lucky to... To, uh, get to make a living out
1: of something that's really fun to make a living out of. Yes. Um, so I know you have a book coming out, or did it already come out? I...
2: No, it comes out in May.
1: Okay. Cool. All right. Very good. Nice. All right. And this is your second book.
2: Um, yeah, it
1: is. Okay. And and why a book? Uh, there's just certain things you don't, you, you can't discuss on stage, or just don't fit on stage. <laughs> that they're more sort of better suited for a book. Um.
2: Well, I mean, conceptually, my, my book is a series of experiments doing things that I or the other pe- either me or other people thought would make me happy. Um, and so uh, it's not like I can, it's not like I'd be able to articulate all the details of that sure. uh, in a, uh, you know, in stand-up. Although, honestly, I cheat sometimes, and uh, occasionally while I'm writing the book, you know, because the great thing about stand-up is, one of the many great things about stand-up is that, you, um, you know, you think it's something that you think is funny and you put it out, right? You, and, and then I have an audience that responds. And, uh, I might tweak it a little bit, try it again, right? And, um, I work on stage a lot and so there's any number of times to sort of try out whether that thing works. But with writing, uh, you know, I mean, I can give it to the publisher, I mean, to the editor. I can give it to my book agent, and I can give it to my manager. But that's three people. Even if they all think it's funny, all four of us could be wrong. Right. You, you know, so uh, uh, I occasionally cheat, and I'll have something that um, I actually thought of for the book, and I, and I try it out on stage uh, just to see. And, um, you know, obviously those things lend themselves to... Of being on stage, uh, and, and I, I do these experiments, and I document the experiments. Each chapter is written as a, as a as an experiment, and I document the experiment itself. But from the start, my question wasn't whether doing something necessarily was enjoyable or not in the moment. The question was, what things can you know? What 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 things could I do that? brought some sort of lasting uh, shield, so to speak, of, uh, of happiness, so that when I'm back in my regular life, uh, it has, you know, it has a little shelf life. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, if I were, I don't do this in the book, but if I were to go on a Ferris wheel, I can guarantee you I would enjoy it because I like the Ferris wheel. But the question is, you know, when you come down from the Ferris wheel, uh, it's, it's, is it over? Or is there a, or is there any kind of residual happiness that puts up with the slings and arrows of the re- of the rest of my life? And so, in a way, the book uh, ends up being very memoir-ish because it okay. tells not only about the experiment but about my life at home at the time, or my life on the road at the time. Um, you know, just uh, so it's uh, so it's both things.
1: Okay. So what kind of experiments is this like if you're on the road going to a, a certain place going, or if you're at home taking up a certain um, hobby?
2: No, let's see. I did lots of things. I took swing dance classes. Okay. I, uh, I, uh, let me see. I went backpacking with my oldest daughter. I, um, I rented a Lamborghini. Oh, wow. I, uh, um, what were the other things? Oh, I, uh. I spent some of them were short. Some of them I did in a day, and some of them took months. Um, uh, I h- hired an organizer and and got and tried to organize the you know the house. Um, what else? I I spent months uh, doing the get fit experiment um, where I worked out. I didn't work out every day, but it was. Three to four times a week, grueling workouts with this taekwondo self-defense guy, and uh, I lost twelve pounds. Huh. Um, but as I vaguely suspected, in the ensuing uh, in the ensuing um, experiments, they they came zipping back those twelve pounds. Uh, but anyway, so those sorts of things.
1: Interesting. That's uh. So, and like you said, you're, it's kind of separate from what you're doing on stage, but um, uh, it's not uncommon, though. I don't think you're really cheating if you're talking about him on stage a little bit because, geez, even go going back to Jerry Seinfeld show, he lifted a lot of stuff from his act to put into his TV oh, show. Maren's done it. In fact, I got to ask Maren when I talked to him about this one thing he did because he changed one of the things he did slightly, and it involved two of my favorite bands from the 80s, and he switched the punchline slightly. I was just fascinated by it. Hopefully, I'll find out in a couple of weeks the impetus behind that I don't think it's just a joke, dude. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs>
2: but, well, I can guarantee you there's there was some executive somewhere behind that.
1: I think so, because the two groups are OMD and Depeche Mode. And on stage, OMD is part of the setup and punchline. And in the show, on IFC, it's Depeche Mode. And I guarantee people are standing around going... Dude, probably people more people know who Depeche Mode is than know who OMD is, and that's probably why they i never it.
2: heard of OMD.
1: Uh, the If you leave, uh, guys. I know
2: the name Depeche Mode. I wouldn't know uh,
1: one of their songs if I tripped over it. Oh, OMD, if you leave, don't leave. Now, the Pretty in Pink song got the number four in the in the charts in the 80s. That's the only song people know in this country, really, but they've, you know, another one of those groups that's tons of hits in Europe and didn't do as well here, but we digress. Um <laughs> so I'm curious, since, you know, you're mostly uh, known these days for, you know, just chatting with people when you're on stage and kind of finding the funny that way. But then again, on, on Twitter and, and with the, your gig at NPR, you're kind of, you know, you had to keep up with current events. H- has the uh, recent election, you know, uh, colored you in any way or is you just still just talking to people about their lives mostly? Oh, I
2: do both. I You know, you can't. The 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 recent election is so, you, you know, comes out through our pores and sweat during the day. I mean, oh, yeah. you can't help talking about it. You really just can't. It, it, it's, it's everywhere. And certainly it is for me. Um, I, I, I think about it a lot. I, it, it scares me. It saddens me. And I'm forever trying to find the right words to articulate um. You, you, you know, coping mechanisms.
1: Yes. And
2: uh, 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 you know, to speak truth to power, and 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 uh, to to. Uh, to. I, I feel a, a little bit like Bartholomew in the oblique Um. You know, to, to 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 blast the horn of warning while we <laughs> still can. Yes. yes. Um. It, and and certainly laughing is I, I mean I happen to I I happened to be working in um uh Alexandria, Virginia, uh, for three nights which I never do. Um but I was there for Friday, Saturday, Saturday after um after the Tuesday of the election. And I didn't plan it that way, it just was that way. But there I was in this suburb of D C and um I mean people were just shell shocked. Uh and uh you know we laughed and laughed it was and people came up to me for all three nights I usually do a meet and greet afterwards not always but often and all three nights people came up and said oh my god I needed this (laughs) Uh, you know or there there were people who literally said more than one that literally said I didn't think I could leave the house oh my god and they decided to you know you know, they'd bought the tickets ahead of time kind of thing, and they thought, well, all right, we'll go ahead and go, and then just had this great sort of cathartic. I mean, the truth is, on any topic, uh, when my son was little one time, he, he sort of figured out that I talked about him on stage. And I, and I, I said, yeah, I do. I said, because, um, because the, the things that we go through are not unique to us. You know, right. it's part of the. It's just part of it. It's it's you, you know, it's uh, it's just life, and and so, uh, one of the things about parenting is that it can see it can feel so lonely because no matter how much you tell yourself you're not the only one, you always feel like you're the only one. Hell yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a it's a puzzle that you will you know, there's always some pieces missing. Uh, and uh, this, it, you know, I go on stage and I tell stories about you know the things that were challenging to me or the things that I somehow didn't uh, get quite right. And uh, you know, other people hear that and laugh. And my favorite, you know, part of it is just that laughter of recognition. Um, and so uh, it's healing both ways. It's helpful to me.
1: And yeah, I was going to say. You know, yeah, helpful and then- to
2: the- Crowd,
1: and then when you're, when you're you know talking to other people, you're kind of only getting the highlights, you know, of what went well in most cases. Oh and then yeah, I and mean
2: you know Facebook. That's one yes, of the reasons yes. it depresses everybody, right? It's because it's a it's a daily holiday letter drip. <laughs> uh, you, you know, people, you know, here's what I ate, and oh, here's a picture of my little darling looking like a little darling, and you know, meanwhile, uh, just this morning while I was getting a Kleenex box out of the Linen closet, you can't help notice, the frame off the door that my son kicked in. Oh, jeez. Like, no one takes a picture of that. No. <laughs> no one goes, well, there was a, <laughs> there was an average day in the do
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, my wife was anguishing yesterday about some uh, girls my daughter went to high school with. And uh, and my listeners know her better as Fangirl, my oldest, and saying, "Oh, she, they, she's going to this nice college. She's all these great friends. I'm like, and this really cute boyfriend that she met there. I'm like, well, yeah, but you don't know the other stuff. You're seeing a little like five percent sliver of what's going on there. Right? You, you yeah. don't know. Yeah,
2: uh, absolutely. You know. So you know, the truth is, we all have far more in common than we have differences. And uh, yes, um, you know, and and it's a lot more fun together. It just is. Yeah. Pack animal. Yeah. So, uh, so that's part of. I, I mean, and I don't do it by design. I don't say to myself, you know, let me let me think of a of a healing, common story I can tell. I just tell the stuff that I think is funny. But I just am well aware that part of what makes it funny is that people are like, oh my god, I have that. Um. You know. I mean, my. Uh, I, I wish that being on stage did all sorts of things. I wish that you know. I wish it solved world peace. I wish <laughs> it ended uh, ended uh, uh, the isolation and and brain damage caused by uh, screen use. Um, but uh, you know, wouldn't all that be wonderful? But the truth is, it's my number one job is to go on stage and be funny. And if uh, if occasionally something else happens, it's mostly just a fluke.
1: Yeah, uh, and see, where did I see this? You were on about that about uh, screen use, and I'd forgot. Maybe I saw yeah. you tweet about it or something. Um, Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, you're, you're 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 somewhat anti-screen. I I take it.
2: I um yeah. I mean, there's no question that it's had a a, a negative effect on our society as a whole. Um, and I know that people can drudge around and find one thing or the other that they think was helpful about it. But let's be honest in the in in the in a, in a in a clear-eyed evaluation. Of you know pros on one side and cons on the other. The cons kick the pros' asses, and in terms of children, um, it's it's not good for anybody. But in terms of developing brains, it's disastrous, and they don't belong in our schools. I, I thought it was a great idea to put them in school in the beginning, and then I learned what I learned. Um, we sort of ran the experiment as this, and and the. Um, evidence of the experiment is overwhelming. Um, there's uh, there's very little positive, discernible, discernible impact. Um, the one thing I've ever read about, and I've read a lot on the topic, because my son, who I stupidly put in front of a computer when he was three, has very severe electronics addiction, and it really uh, just uh, retell for, for him, uh, but also for the rest of the family, uh, 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 The only discernible positive that I have read about is that kids uh, uh, who use, you know, screen devices recognize patterns. So, you know, great, they won't be baffled by wallpaper. (laughs) I'm not, you know, I I think we were doing okay on pattern recognition to begin with. And my guess is there's lots of ways of... uh, uh, of developing pattern recognition and needing to be with a, a screen. So they, they need to come out of our schools. Uh, Maryland, the state of Maryland, actually, because the schools, I think their philosophy is, you know, we bought them already. Yeah. I think that's sort of the main impetus for continuing down this damaging road. But uh, in in Maryland, they actually are—they have a bill in their state legislature right now um, to take the decision about, you know, screen use and the amount of screen use in the classroom away from the schools and put in the hands of the health department. Now, that's banking also on the health department doing their job. Right. Which means, you know, knowing about the topic, because not everyone knows.
1: Yeah, i, I got um, to say, I, I, I feel dumb now if you've got dumb parents. I know my my youngest takes her laptop to school because it's required, and she has to have it. Um, yet, uh, the good news well, is... Well, you we, can
2: opt out. It's not easy, yeah. but you, you can opt out. I, I would steer you as a parent uh, in the direction of two, two different books. One is called uh, Reset Your Child's Brain by Victoria Dunkley, and the other is called um, Uh called Screen, no, Glow Kids, Glow Kids by Nicholas Carderas. and um, they both are chock full of the science of what I'm talking
0: about. Okay.
2: And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, lots and lots of people don't know, and the only reason I know is because I watched this unbelievable mudslide of, you know, of my son's, you know, sort of behavior and personality. Yeah. As a result of this, and it was—I mean, like any, like any other. If you look at a a, a image uh, of uh, um, of a brain on cocaine, it looks the same as a brain overstimulated by screen devices. So, you know, is that does that sound like a wise thing for? A kid. You know what's funny is um, I've become friends with Nick Carderas over the years uh, because I reached out to everybody I could find to try to help my son. Yeah. And so this guy who wrote Glow Kids, um, and he speaks all around the country on the topic. And and uh, he was telling me like that the number one question he gets is, you know, what. When do you think we can you know like, okay, you're not supposed to your little kids aren't supposed to use computers, but but when do you think it's okay? No, no, that's not the question. The question is how much time do you think is okay? That's the question. Yeah, and and you know we both laugh that after he's just described that it causes, I mean, literally causes brain damage, literally alters the brain in a very negative way. It shuts down the development of the frontal lobe. Um, after he's explained this, that's people's question. How much do you think is okay? It's a little bit like a pregnant woman saying, well, how much wine do you think I can drink?
1: (laughs) How many cigarettes can I have?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the truth is no one really knows, but what is the upside of the risk? You know, everyone tells, oh, they're going to need it for their future. Uh, Well, they're going to need their brain for the future. and, And I think that the first order of business is protecting the brain. My son was away from screens altogether for a year and a half. I sent him to live in the woods. And not, not, for a year and a half. And he told me later, um, well, I mean, he told me every time I visit him, but he told that the cravings never went away. Wow. That's something to really think about. You know? I set this kid up, inadvertently, I didn't do it on purpose. Right. But inadvertently, I set this kid up to suffer from something that is so powerful that... It, you know, a year and a half later, he still felt cravings for this thing. I, there was a piece the other night on uh, the Newshour, um, an interview with a former engineer from Google, and he was explaining how they make um, all the apps. It's it, it, they they purposely make it all of it, not just gaming. Although gaming does it too, but. All of it. They purposely make it addictive. He was saying that uh, a company like Facebook considers their rivals, because what they want is your eyes on their thing as much as they can get. Of course. They consider their rivals to be Instagram, Twitter, and sleep. (laughs) Interesting. You know, personally, if I have my life to do over again, I don't want any of my kids anywhere fucking near that.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, yeah. now they're you know, now uh, I I mean, w- w- they grew up like my son got it worse than the girls did, right? Because he's I was just the gonna youngest. say, well, and, and he's
1: and he's what they call a digital yeah. native because I reckon him to be because since we've been talking, I think the first time we spoke he was three or four, so he's probably is he junior high now?
2: Oh heavens, no, he's eighteen. Oh okay
1: okay, because yeah, my a, um, my youngest is a true digital native. She had you know screens right from the start. Where my oldest uh. We had it, but she wasn't really exposed to it until a little bit later. But uh, fortunately, Lizzie, the youngest, still likes to go on her trampoline, still wants to meet to play basketball in the driveway, still likes to read books. Oh, well, even even though she is on the screen a lot and she likes to make movies and things like that with her friends and things, uh, they also do things that aren't. But, yeah, it's, it's, um, you do wonder for the well, future. Did we good. did we go, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. But hopefully they didn't but, I mean, You know,
2: I, I don't think it's a coincidence even what's happened politically. I think the oh, yeah. level of isolation yeah. um, that people feel is, uh, you know, and also, I mean, even with Twitter, I certainly do it. You know, I make jokes about Trump sure. and I make jokes about the situation that we're in and they are from my perspective. And and I, the, you know, the people that I follow or the things that I read tend to all be from my perspective. Right. Um, you, you know, I don't necessarily broaden out my... Uh, uh, I mean, not that I think that someone else. By the way, it's not. It's not that I'm. Uh, not gonna, uh, I'm not going to listen to to some to a Trump voter and go, oh, well, then he is a good idea. But I might listen to a Trump voter and have and said, oh, okay, I can see that problem, and yeah, it does need fixed. You're absolutely right. Um, I it, it, it's just that in my mind, voting for Trump for you know. And he got, you know, a lot of people that have been cut out of the economy and so forth. And he says himself, you know, he loves the poorly educated. Oh, yeah. You know, voting for Trump is a little bit like having a riot in your own neighborhood. You know, it's not a solution to the (laughs) problems that people are talking about. That's true. You know, case in point, there's no fucking such thing as clean coal. Right. You know? So, and and the people who should know that the most are West Virginians.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're
2: experts on that topic. So, you know, they're a little bit like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, my son believed in Santa Claus, uh, partly because I insisted, but for, for far longer than any other kid I've ever known. And part of it. I don't think he really believed. It's just such a goddamn great idea that he wanted it to be true.
0: Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That, that to me, is, you know, a voter that, that, that listens to Trump on on clean call. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's black shit. You touch shit and it rubs off on you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a story on the... Way, the... They just
2: changed, you know, they just changed the law so that you could put the refuse, the yep. waste product, from mining. It, it, they were doing it for years. And we cleaned up the water a little bit, and now they now they're back to putting the the refuse and the waste product from mining it, back into the rivers and streams. Well, if it was so goddamn clean, then why do we need to change that rule?
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know. They're so, all in
2: anyways, uh, it's uh it's a da- It it it, it uh, it'll be if if this whole thing right was just a made up HBO miniseries. I'd fucking binge watch it, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. to find out what happened, <laughs> like the whole, you know, the Russian thing and the stupid claim about Obama and the yeah, whole, yeah. like, you know, just, it, it's fascinating. The problem is it's real.
1: Yeah, that's the scary part.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wish it was, uh, you know, I wish I was watching, y- 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 I, I wish it was just like a really well done, like, you know, Breaking Bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: you know, and yep. I could just enjoy it.
1: Yeah, exactly, and not have to, to worry about anything. But, um, right, yeah, yeah, and,
2: yeah. But, you know, or or it was another planet or something, and right, was, you know, or it's thousands of years, had,
1: in, thousands of years right, in the future, we, like know, Planet days.
2: Right, you know, had big, uh, um, self-interest in what occurred.
1: Right. <laughs> well, you're fighting the good fight, taking our minds off it for a little bit uh in the evenings. There, uh will you be? Well, it is fun country.
2: to laugh about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and and it's not the sole, you know, it's not the sole oh, yeah. focus
0: of it. Oh yeah. Oh no, no, I think people that
2: I talk about raising a house full of kids sure. and animals. I talk about. uh uh you know my um i just walked out and the cats have thrown up on the rug that you know that's there you nice. go <laughs> um yeah yeah it's another morning in the poundstone house there you uh go. but yeah my uh and my favorite part of the night as you mentioned is uh just plain talking to the audience i do the time honored where you're from what do you do for a yeah. living and in this way little biographies of audience members emerge and it's And it's
1: still working 37 years later. Awesome. Well, it's great talking to you as always. Always a fun conversation. And uh, we'll get this up. uh, I guess you're just starting the tour, so we'll be able to promote on the podcast side uh, all the days coming up. And, of course, we'll have a print piece in City Beat when you're in Cincinnati at the Taft. So we've got got all the bases covered. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Paula. It was good talking with you. Good talking to you again. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Paula Poundstone for being on the show. You can catch Paula live here in Cincinnati, where we are, Friday. March 17th, uh, she'll be at the Taft Theater, then she's back on the West Coast the next night in Santa Cruz at the Rio Theater, then she's back to the Midwest, uh, March 24th, and she has a bunch of dates say, here in the Midwest, Columbus, St. Louis, Kansas City, Southbridge. You can go to paulapoundstone.com, click on the Tour tab, and that'll tell you where she's going to be. And don't forget, her new book comes out in May, you can also hear, I think, at least monthly, if not uh, more often, on uh, NPR's hit show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. All right, so... Right now I'm recording the podcast here while I'm watching a little basketball. I'm not normally interested in basketball, but of course, you know, the Cavs did real well last year, so that kind of got me a little more into it, and uh, Fangirls School, she goes to Northern Kentucky University, uh, they have made the tournament, so we're just waiting to see where they're going to be uh, playing and who they'll be playing against. Hopefully they will not be playing a 1 seed. Hopefully they can at least swing being a 15, maybe even a 14, fingers crossed. And uh, otherwise, if they're a 16 and they're playing a 1, I told her and my wife it's a bus ride back to Highland Heights, if uh, that's the case, as David Letterman would say. But hopefully not. Hopefully they can at least, you know, uh, get into a competitive game. And who knows? Almost positive, didn't two 15s beat 2s last year? I'm almost positive that happened. And it has happened occasionally in the past uh, couple of years. So, fingers crossed. Uh, Let's see, we're up to the song of the week then Uh, Song of the week is from our old buddy Coleman Hell You heard Coleman on the podcast last year When we saw him at Bunbury, he was kind enough to uh, speak to us He flirted with my friend, and it was really fun So uh, we will um, uh, be getting to that here Uh, The song is Devotion, and it's from his album that came out uh, last year But uh, there's two mixes of this out There's the album mix, and there's something called the SMLE mix I cannot tell the difference between either one of them, but I'm going to play the SML mix because I reckon that's what they're promoting on the radio up in Canada and down here in the United States as well. So, uh, And Coleman, it, really nice sound. He's um, he's not one, quite one of these EDM guys, but he does like to use the electronics a lot. And so uh, it is electronic music, but it's got kind of a different feel to it, I guess, than I would say, I don't know, maybe like April Towers or Future Islands or people like that. It's very cool. And uh, this is a really good track. Uh, I'm not sure it needed to be remixed, but apparently it was. It still sounds as good as the album version. And uh, this is—I uh, think this—this this might be the best track on the album. This has really grown on me. It's—you'll see what I mean. It's called Devotion. It is Coleman Hell, It is our song of the week. P.F. Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. If I
3: gave you my devotion like I should have when you were mine. Would you take it? Would you hold it? Or would you say I didn't make it on time? If I gave you my devotion, would you lay here with me tonight? I could show you all the reasons why you should be waking up by my side. Why you should be waking up by my side.